Praise God from whom all blessings flow. This is Brother William Kantz with this week's lesson. From 2 Peter 2, the verses are 1 through 11, and the title of this week's lesson is God's Judgment. From the New King James Version of the Bible, the text reads, But there were false, also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction." making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels, who are greater in power and might, do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. Praise God for his holy and divine word. Our lesson text, 2 Peter 2, 1 through 11, describes how God will ultimately deal with those who persecute Christians. The passage specifically discusses false teachers. Peter reasoned that if God rightly punished the angels who sinned, verse 4, the wicked in Noah's day, verse 5, and the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, verse 6, he would surely punish the wicked and preserve the faithful. Peter concluded, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority, verses 9 and 10. As we look deeply and study this, this passage, oh, we're 
amazed at Peter's understanding of what awaits those who turn against the Lord and are hopeful in regards to those who stand up for the truth. The false teachers were destructive and deceptive. God is faithful and just. So Peter draws a comparison between God and these false teachers. We must trust God to render appropriate judgment. Again, this trust is behavior that is learned, and we learn it as a result of practicing being trustworthy. Trust is imperative. At some point, what the false teachers said and say today led believers away from the Lord rather than to him. Because of false teachers, the truth had been blasphemed. The false teachers were a covetous lot, interested in their own material enrichment, interested only in self-aggrandizement and accumulation of stuff, wealth, honor, glory. Again, note that the apostle pointed out that God had intervened in history in the past. He had not spared the ancient world of Noah's day. He did, had not spared the angels when they turned aside from the truth. Peter pointed out the character of false prophets when he wrote, they are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Again, Peter gave us three biblical examples of God's faithfulness to judge evil and weaves into his account encouraging reassurance for God's people who suffer at the hands of evil persons. The first example is that of the angels who sinned. Peter does not specify the sins of any of his three examples of judgment except to refer to this ungodly nature, verse 5 and 6, their filthy lives and lawless deeds, verse 7 and 8. The second example of the inevitability of judgment is that of the flood in Noah's time when God did not spare the ancient world, verse 5, was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence, Genesis 6 and 11. Here, a note of hope enters the record. For God was faithful, rescuing from the flood Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and his family. Again, those who faithfully trust in the goodness and justice of God should take courage, recognizing hope. Though surrounded by unfaithful teachers and though living in a corrupt 
society that strives to invade the church, they are to stand firm, for the Lord knows how to rescue his people. Verse 9. When we reach verse 10, Peter describes more precise, precisely persons who are guilty of corrupt desire and who despise authority, those who walk according to the flesh, with the third illustration being judgment in the history of Sodom and Gomorrah and the rescue of Lot. These city names appear often in the Bible as representing the arrogance of human rebellion against God. Perhaps most eloquent and revealing is the condemnation voiced by Ezekiel, chapter 16 and verse 50, they were haughty or insufferable and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit or necessary. This reveals the sins of those towns as going beyond their reputation for perversion in Jude 7, giving themselves over. They were also arrogant, overfed and unconcerned They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before God's eyes. On the other hand, Lot's righteousness is revealed by his hospitality. Hospitality being an example of friendship. So Lot's hospitality to the stranger Strangers who came to his town demonstrated his righteousness. This righteousness in Lot is also indicated by the fact that Abraham pleads for Sodom on the grounds of the presence of righteous persons. This suggests that in Abraham's mind, Lot is one of those righteous persons to be discovered by the Lord. Peter's testimony serves both as a summary of the sins in Old Testament narratives as well as a foreshadowing of the sins of the persons opposing the apostles and the necessary awareness of Christian leadership. If the churches addressed by Peter were to prosper if they were to bring any honor to the Lord, if people were to be saved from sin, they must identify the false teachers for what they were. We must similarly identify false teachers today. Christians must reject false teaching. Peter's teachings have a great deal of relevance for the modern church. False teachers continue to attempt to weaken the message of truth. The apostle who walked on the water with Jesus, by means of his epistle, 
continues to urge the people of God to be sensitive to the threats abounding to the doctrine of Christ. The doctrine is always imperative for the faithful. The danger is real. Jesus had warned of such attempts to deceive his people when he said, For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. Matthew 24, verses 24 and 25. Paul had expressed astonishment that Christians could so easily be lured into turning to a different gospel and thrown into confusion about the true gospel. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to another gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Galatians 1, 6 through 9. In 2 Peter 2 and verse 1, the false teachers promote destruction destructive heresies which eventually result in swift destruction. In verse 2, those whom they teach follow their destructive ways. New King James Version. This term is also translated sensuality, ESV. Depraved conduct, NIV. In verse 3, the term destructive is used to describe the coming judgment reserved for false teachers. The description of false teachers in, this, in these verses is striking. They not only walk according to the flesh, the lust of uncleanness, but also despise authority, 2 Peter 2 and verse 10. Not realizing their limitations, they presume much more than they should. Anyone who dismisses God's plan in favor of his own falls into this same trap. Self-delusion. Nevertheless, we are told judgment awaits. We would do well to learn from history. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Romans 15 and verse 4. Patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope hope. God has always punished wickedness and rewarded righteousness. He did this when he saved Noah. He will do this for us. Abraham certainly believed this to be true. 
This is why he asked, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Genesis 18 and verse 25. God sends destruction on the ungodly. He commands deliverance for the righteous. Rather than living in a way that brings punishment from God, we must seek to once again trust, honor, and obey Him, God the Father. Peter's description of false teachers deserves careful consideration. Some individuals have promoted false doctrine as a result of mistakes or misunderstandings. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. Acts 18 and verse 25. These individuals are not the concern of Peter in this text. In both the world of the first century and the world where modern Christians live, men and women come along who, who have reasons for their teaching other than the glorification of God through Jesus of Nazareth. These are the false teachers Peter is addressing. The apostle begins this section of the letter by reminding his readers that false prophets made their appearance among the people of Israel, 2 Peter 2 and verse 1. The apostle calls these people false teachers. The church has always been plagued by those who teach false doctrine. Many are led astray by the appealing siren song of false teaching. Seducers use feigned words. They deceive the hearts of their followers. Such are condemned already, and the wrath of God abides upon them. Paul wrote, For the name of the Lord is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Romans 2 and 24. Sometimes, the moral climate of society decays so gradually that many may not immediately notice when that spirit of the age promoting situationism or pragmatism begins to seep into the church. It slowly corrodes the force of the gospel message among the weak and then suddenly individual congregations stand out of order. Arguing for tolerance and openness, a society may trend beyond legitimate liberty in Christ and begin to codify immoralities into acceptable attitudes and lifestyles that become so popular as to be considered beyond criticism or question. It is in this atmosphere that false teachers twist Scripture to support their practices. These false teachers bring in heresies of destruction, sex of destruction, more specifically, divisiveness in the Lord's church. The Greek word for destruction occurs three times in Peter's second epistle. 
King James Version calls it pernicious ways, verse, chapter 2, verse 2. Damnation, chapter 2, verse 3. Perdition, chapter 2, verse 3. Christ's adversaries demonstrate a foolish disregard for the destructive powers in their temporizing with evil. They will find out the wages of sin is death, Romans 6 and 23. They will pay for their presumptiveness with physical death and also with the second death of the judgment. In this way, they will be done out of the profits of their deeds, for though they gain pleasure for a while, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 16 and verse 26. A true disciple of Christ is one that follows him and shall follow him to glory. This Christian servant walks in the steps of Jesus, is led by his spirit, practices self-denial. This is no more than what our Lord practiced to redeem us and to teach us. If any Christian will have the name and credit of a disciple, let him or her follow Christ in the responsibilities of a disciple. Since all worldly things are worthless for our salvation, many lose their souls for the most trifling gain, worthless indulgence, or mere slothfulness and negligence. Let us remember, every soul matters and is precious to Christ. Christ knew the price of souls. He redeemed them. The dying transgressor cannot purchase one hour's respite to seek mercy for his perishing soul. Let us then learn and practice rightly to value our souls and others. Let us give all glory, honor, and obedience to God the Father. Let us follow Christ in faithfulness and in love. This lesson is yours. I pray that something has been said to edify and uplift. I pray that everything that has been said is acceptable to God. Next week's lesson is from 2 Peter 2, verses 12 through 22. 2 Peter 2, verses 12 through 22. And the title of next week's lesson is Wages of unrighteousness. Let us pray together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we approach your throne of grace with all humility 
with bowed heads and open hearts of mind to receive your word in spirit and in truth. We thank you, Father, for all the many blessings you bestow on us each and every day. The gift of life, health, and the pursuit of happiness all come from you, Father. Help us to learn to count it all joy. We thank you for our portion of health, for our families, our fortune. We thank you for the opportunity to study together, to lift up one another, Father God. We, we thank you for the unlimited depth of your your love, your mercy, your grace, your long-suffering. Father God, we, we thank you for Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us on that old rugged cross of Calvary for the sins of mankind. We pray for space and time for, for those who not, do not know you yet, that they may come to know you you before it's everlasting and eternally too late. We pray for the poor in spirit, both near and far. Father God, we humbly approach your throne with petitions for those who are suffering this day, for those who are entering into the hospital for procedures and for those coming out. Thank you, Father. Lift them up where they are torn down and restore them, Father, with all the care needed to regain their much-needed condition of health, whether it be physical, emotional, cognitive. Father, we pray for leadership in your church all across this world. We pray that you embolden great men of faith to stand on your will and your way We thank you, Father, for being in the midst. These and all other blessings we ask in the most glorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Thank you, friends, for your time and attention. Thank you for supporting this ongoing ministry. Let us all reach out in Christian love, in service to God, and one another. Stay safe. Bye for now.